Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. News Talk 850 WFTL presents Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Here's Joyce Kaufman. On today's No Restraint Podcast, I'm talking about how we are watching our entire country slip down into a void which will end this empire. And it's depressing to watch and to have to report and comment on it. But that is my gig, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I have to start with what was going on this week, starting on Monday, in the courtroom in New York City, where the prosecution is trying to make a case, and the judge, who seems to have already made up his mind, that Donald Trump and Trump Enterprises conducted business in a manner that was illegal. And their primary evidence is that Donald Trump may have inflated the value of properties when he was seeking loans. Now, the first question I would ask is, when has anyone ever been successfully prosecuted for this crime? And the answer I've discovered is never. And the reason is because there's an expectation that property will be overvalued when seeking financing. And then it's up to the lender to decide what the actual value of the property is before they make a loan. But of course, when it comes to Donald Trump, all of that normal stuff gets thrown right out the window and we're to assume the absolute worst. What really is disturbing to me, and of course, this comes on the heels of the Republicans in Congress being simply unwilling to stand up to the Biden administration and instead watching Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, basically kiss Biden's butt with a continuing resolution for 45 days without any attention being paid to the fact that we are downward trending in the financial markets everywhere we turn. A lot of economists have said that we cannot keep this up. This is unsustainable. And yes, that that makes me nervous, but I'm trying to understand what it is that even government agencies are saying is inevitably going to happen. And what is inevitably going to happen, as economist Kevin Freeman explained to Dr. Naomi Wolf in her podcast, Outspoken, there is going to be a financial collapse. Now, that's not hyperbole. That's a prediction based on actual information and data. The economist, Kevin Freeman, is the author of a book called Pirate Money. And that's extremely important because for the first time, he really, in that book, explains the shell game of our current economy as well as talking about you know, the history of money and the way that elites decided to financialize the economy 
not to the benefit of the American citizen, but to our detriment in a way that anyone can understand. The book is worth reading, Pirate Money by Kevin Freeman, because it helped me understand just exactly how profound a moment this is and how if we do nothing, this empire will fall. The United States of America cannot survive. We have very little time to avoid the trap of central bank digital currencies. And a lot of people think this is like some kind of whacked out conspiracy theory stuff and put on your tinfoil hat, Joyce, if you're going to talk about digital currencies. Next thing I know, you're going to be talking about the mark of the beast. Yeah, probably, because it's pretty scary. There is a model of currency, though, that could save us, a precious metals-backed instrument which would safeguard people at the state level. And there are a lot of legislators from different states who are paying attention, and they agree they're going to pass legislation so that the states will have their own form of currency. And if Kevin Freeman and his colleagues are successful, that in and of itself would be one of the largest economies in the world. So you don't want to ignore these facts. You want to understand what's going on. So Naomi Wolf does a great job in Outspoken in explaining it. She says, would you please tell us, uh, because he is one of the world's leading experts on both economic warfare and financial terrorism. He's consulted for and briefed members of both the House and the Senate. Um, He has worked with the CIA and the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security and the Justice Department, as well as local and state law enforcement. And the research that he presents in critical Department of Defense studies on economic warfare, Iran, weapons of mass destruction, and the stuff that he's presented to the Secretary of Defense and the Undersecretary of Defense Intelligence, this is important stuff. He's traveled with research trips to Russia and China, throughout Europe and the Americas. He's also a contributing editor to the Tactics and Preparedness magazine. He's co-founder of the NSSIC Institute. He's a speaker, and he just knows what he's talking about. He's a member of the advisory board of the First Liberty Institute. He has an extraordinary resume. And, of course, you're not going to hear him on any of the mainstream networks or on the cable news networks. Why? Well, because he's tolling a bell of doom, and people don't want to hear that, especially if they're invested in keeping things exactly the way they are. So if there was one word that he could use to describe the profession he's part of, what would you say you are? He said, well, my my daughters complain because people ask them, what does your father do? And they say, well, it's a 20-minute conversation. He focuses on liberty, economic liberty in particular, and he believes that the United States has been under economic warfare attack from foreign nations. And sadly, he says, we are under attack, economic warfare attack from our own government today. And so his efforts are to try and promote economic liberty and economic justice. So he's an activist and an economist, and that's a pretty good way to describe him. The idea that the United States is under economic warfare goes back quite a ways. But now the warfare is from our own government. That's new, and it's new to me. It's probably new to you too. But what he's saying is in a time when we're aware that our own government has made war upon us in other ways, like shutting down our freedom of speech, 
freedom of the press. So it's interesting that Naomi Wolf selected this moment in time to talk about this. But before we go into the history of money, you know, it's important to understand specifically how it solves the problem of a central bank digital currency and how people like me have fears that once we're all herded into one digital currency, we're going to lose our freedoms. And that's exactly what Kevin Freeman talks about. He talks about the fact that you could be shut down at any moment by who's ever controlling the digital currency, wherever they're controlling it. Could be right here in the United States. It could be from forces abroad. Wherever and whenever you do business with the United States government and you give them goods and services, in exchange, what they give you is a promissory note that's backed by absolutely nothing. And they can print that on demand. And we've been watching them print money like it's, uh, you know, growing on trees. So we're talking about paper money, bills, right? And it says, note, right at the top, if you look at a dollar or $10 or a $100 bill, it says Federal Reserve note at the very top of the bill. You take a $20 bill out of your pocket right now and look at it. It says Federal Reserve note. And until 1971, the Federal Reserve was required to keep a certain percentage of gold. 40% of everything they issue had to be backed by gold. And then Pre President Nixon took us off the gold standard. And from that day to the present, our dollars have lost 87.5% of their purchasing power due to inflation. Now that's economic injustice. The people who are running things can print as much money as they want. They can borrow from my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids' futures, and they run up this massive spending bill. We had $10 trillion in 2008 in total foreign debt. We have $33 trillion today. This is not a party issue. It's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's a government issue. It's a uniparty issue. So why did President Nixon take us off the gold standard or off of gold-backed currency to begin with? And the answer, uh, the simple answer, is that we were putting too much paper out on the planet that we were the reserve currency for the world, and we were demanding everybody to deposit their gold with us. And then we were issuing all this paper, and Charles de Gaulle wasn't sure all the gold was there. And so he came, and he asked for his gold back. And then Nixon realized a run at Fort Knox or a run on the Federal Reserve would be very destructive. So he closed the gold window temporarily. He said it's a temporary measure. It's like a run on the bank to try and get your cash out. Uh, so as a temporary measure, they'll shut down the bank. Imagine, though, if a bank did that and then never reopened, because that's what Nixon did. If you look at legislation and you are a political consultant like Naomi Wolf, and you see in one little clause, in one little bill that was not made transparent to citizens, that citizens actually had no way to influence and legislators could send millions, if not billions of dollars into the pockets of their friends or their cronies or even third parties. So what you're actually hearing now from Kevin Freeman is that when they took us off gold-backed currency, the people who draft and pass the laws of this country were able to write checks without any limits to their friends, essentially.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. That's it. And now we have to have something to support the dollar. And so very shortly after that, uh, the Secretary of State for President Nixon, who was Henry Kissinger, went to the Saudis and struck a deal. He said, we'll protect your military if you promise that you're going to price all oil transactions in U.S. dollars. And you promise that when you get extra money, you're going to invest it back in U.S. Treasury bonds. And that's what's called the petrodollar. It was denied, denied, denied until there were papers that opened it up and said, that's exactly what happened. It used to be a conspiracy theory. Now it's a fact. Unfortunately, we've lost that exorbitant privilege because the Saudis are now pricing oil in things other than dollars. And they're not necessarily guaranteeing that they will recycle dollars anymore. So (laughs) they're not buying treasury bonds And that system, which may have served us okay for 50 years, is null and void. I mean, it was a prosperous 50 years for everybody. What's wrong with the petrodollar? Well, a couple of things were wrong. One is that the inflation that came because of it, because that gave unlimited printing press power, which created literally the financialization of the economy. And if you read in the book Pirate Money, that's what he says. Starting when we left the gold standard, very wealthy people learned that they could make money from money rather than make money from producing things or adding real output to the economy. So you financialize. Wall Street created all these derivatives that almost destroyed us back in 2008, and we had a financial crisis. But there are people who make money off of money. And if you're on the inside and you pass bills and legislation, there are all sorts of options and derivatives that you can use to invest based on that. And you make yourself rich while the middle class shrinks. And the middle class has shrunk from 1971 to now. And the rich have gotten massively wealthier. So this is something that nobody really understands. And apparently that's how they want us, kept stupid and like mushrooms. Um, So if you are surrounded by rich people and by their families and you look around, there's a very different sense of what's going on in America right now. Because back in the 80s, those families used to be in business. They used to make steel or they cut down lumber or they created American jobs, um, you know, doing things in the world. In the 19th century, those families were building railroads. But that kind of uneasy feeling of all these wealthy people around Naomi Wolf one day made her understand they weren't making anything anymore. All of their money was coming from money. So if you can make money from creating derivatives out of thin air, you're not making jobs anymore, right? And that's why you see a middle class that is contracting. Yeah, and the contracting of the middle class is due to the financialization because it allows you to make money from money as opposed to manufacturing or employing people or being creative, the things that really benefit and add to the economy. So 
you have a slowdown in the growth of wages. Most of the higher paid salaries go to corporate executives. And that comes from the fact that they have options on the stock. So again, it's a financialized thing. And yes, we want CEOs to be aligned with the companies they run, but because there's nothing behind the money, it's just paper. And it will soon be ones and zeros with central bank digital currency. Yep, that, the financialization of companies, has created a shrinking middle class and an expanded wealth class. The 1% got much, much, much wealthier, which is a strange thing for anybody to have to criticize, particularly me, because I've got a historical background of saying, if you can make it, it's yours. Um, But I disagree with the level of economic injustice that's being created, which I believe stems from unbacked paper currency. So it's not really a free market anymore. This isn't really capitalism. The people who invent those derivatives can just go ahead and invent them. The people who can sign the bills into law, well, they just go ahead and sign them into law. It's not open. It's sort of like invisible hand competition. So it's something else. It's elites controlling things in an oligarchical fashion and ignoring the realities of this. If you want to grow your economy, everybody has got to benefit from it. You have got to have a rising tide that lifts all boats. You can't just have a financialization in which rich people are making money off of money because nobody wins. That's like casino winnings. They don't benefit anyone. It's taking from someone and giving it to someone else. And do you think that's sustainable or is it a shell game? I mean, it sounds like a bubble that's going to collapse. So if it's doomed to collapse when the last person who's holding the last valueless financial product, what happens? Well, it's not sustainable. But that's why there's this big push to central bank digital currencies. It's not sustainable because we have $33 trillion in debt. And the natural interest rate, according to the Federal Reserve, is five and a quarter percent. That was as of today, uh, October 2nd. You add that up, It's about $1.7 trillion in interest only. And we're rolling off low interest bonds such that when interest rates were zero, the government borrowed money then, but they borrowed in the short term. And so those bonds, they're going to roll off. And we essentially have had a teaser credit card rate for our entire government. And the rate is about to be jacked up to market rates. And when that happens, we will be technically bankrupt. We're worse off than Greece was 10 or 12 years ago when we told them that they were technically bankrupt. So here you usher in a central bank digital currency where you don't even have to print the money and nobody knows how much really is outstanding because you create it whenever you feel like it at a whim and you move it around at a whim, which makes it important to understand that they now control your freedom, every individual's liberty, because you can say you can buy this, but you can't buy that. You can say that you said the wrong thing on the internet and we can cut your money off because you didn't support the vaccine or you didn't support the right candidate. And we've already seen that with the debanking of critics like the truckers in Canada and Dr. Joseph Mercola in the United States. And that's just a tiny example of what's possible. And 
People have been warning us since March of 2021 because with central bank digital currency or with a vaccine passport, you add other functionalities, which takes 15 minutes of coding. And if your social media score goes down because you're not supporting the right administration, your income can go down. Your credit card can be valueless. Percentages can go up. Your mortgage can go up or you can be debanked altogether, as well as suffering other forms of punishment, such as being switched off at public transportation, or your children being kept out of schools, or you're not allowed to get medical care. It is totally catastrophic. So what you're hearing and what we heard in this outspoken interview with Kevin Freeman between he and Dr. Naomi Wolf is that we moved off the gold-backed currency in the 70s. The elites figured out how lucrative and fun it was to not have to make or sell anything in a competitive market, but just to create imaginary instruments that spun out money. And venture capitalists with a lot of these tech companies say, hey, make, make it more valuable. Make it more valuable even though you're not making it valuable to the everyday person. And it sounds like the ability to do that is about to end because the elites are rushing us onto a central bank digital currency platform, partly to control us, but partly so that we won't begin to understand that what's coming is like the next step in imaginary money. Yeah, to keep the shell game going, this is economic warfare. When Kevin started working, when uh, Dr. Freeman started working at the Pentagon, China was our economic opponent, maybe Russia, maybe North Korea. But now it's our own government, and the elites have been conducting economic warfare against the interests of you and me, ordinary Americans. This is not how America was intended to be established. We broke up the trust busters. We did the trust busting and so forth, because we had this threat 100 years ago. Now we have the threat again, only this might be a permanent. If they institute central bank digital currency, it will be a permanent loss of liberty that there is no recovery from. Now, if you have a tech company and you begin getting into digital products, it's amazing how easy it is to game the system, and the user would never even know. Like Naomi Wolf has a digital database of legislation. And if they weren't honest or if they were just partisan, they could easily create algorithms to highlight certain bills or certain legislators and downplay or hide other bills or other legislators. So where she goes with this is once you've got a central back digital currency, there is no such thing as objective value. The people who are coding that just do what they want. It's almost like, you know, digital voting. The people who are coding could pick winners or losers and inflate their value or wipe value off of other companies or wipe out people's bank accounts and say, oh, it was because of poor performance of their shares or whatever, and you would have no recourse. You're kind of watching it play out in a major way with Donald Trump's civil case in New York. People who are arbitrarily assigning value to his properties in a case to bring down his entire financial empire, we're watching it happen, play out on that stage. But really, the plan is to do this on some level to all of us. And if you don't stand up and push back on anyone, 
then you have no one to blame for yourself. The central bank digital currencies is owned by the central bank legally. And every place that it's been instituted in the world, that's the case. What is, it's not by you, the individual. You agree to a term of service, and if you abide by the term of service, then you can use their money. But it's always their money. It's never your money. And who is the central bank? Is it like a global central bank, or are you talking about the Federal Reserve? Well, it is the Federal Reserve in the United States, but the Bank of International Settlements and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and the G20 nations have all agreed at this last G20 summit that we have to have a global view of this and global regulation on this. Now, interestingly, China did not attend. President Xi Jinping did not attend that summit because they have their own global view from the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. So there are going to be two competing battles here, one between China and their gold-backed digital currency, or at least they'll claim it will be gold-backed, and then the United States-led G20 nation and ours, which will not be backed by anything. People watching at this point are, are, are thinking, what do I do with my money? as this is just looming. I know I've been very anxious about this. My husband is super anxious about that because your liquid assets could disappear overnight. So what are you going to do? Well, that's what that book, Pirate Money, is actually about. And it's available on Amazon. You probably should get it and read it because if you want to safeguard your money, well, then you have to at least know what they're trying to do and you have to help to defeat the Great Reset. Because it says that money historically has been gold and silver. It's universally accepted as gold and silver being money. Central banks around the world, what do they buy when they have excess reserves? They buy gold and silver. So if you are smart, you probably would also buy gold and silver. We can see that Senator Bob Martinez was smart because he made sure he had gold bars in his house. He also had cash, though. But let's say that you're in a working household and you're earning $60,000 a year and you're able to save up an extra two or three or $4,000, where are you going to put it? You can't afford to buy gold because if the washing machine breaks down, you can't sell the gold easily enough to pay the bill or to repair your car or to send your kids to school. So that's why legislation needs to be created. And Dr. Wolf helped with this, which is that a state can make gold and silver coins tender within their state and add some kind of modern technology to it, like a gold-backed digital currency secured by the state treasury. And you could actually have an optional gold and silver monetary system where you could put your extra money and you could actually take advantage of what wealthy people do all the time. And that's how they preserve their wealth in inflationary times. And that's what this legislation that they were talking about on Naomi Wolf's podcast is about. There really is a solution. But in order to implement the solution, you got to get bills passed in 50 states and probably federally as well. If we have one state offering it based on the history, it could create the solution. You can go back to Briscoe versus the Bank of Kentucky in 1837 and the Supreme Court. You can go to the NEA versus New York. You can go to the Bronson case. Bottom line, if one state can pass it and declare it legal tender, it can be useful for any American. And the federal government was specifically prohibited in a Supreme Court case from interfering on the basis of interstate commerce. Which 
because this would promote commerce. It doesn't deny commerce. There's a Supreme Court decision already that says, hey, feds, hands off. If states want to make gold and silver coins, you can allow that. You can do it very easily using modern technology. GlintPay is a perfect example. So just so you understand, I'm totally recommending that you read the book and that you understand that there are solutions, even for us, people who have limited resources and don't consider ourselves uh, very financially savvy. Kevin Freeman's book, Pirate Money, is a must-read for you. It's extraordinarily important because he explains for the first time what a shell game is going on. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.